Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about possible Roswell crash material. That's correct, possible Roswell crash material. And we'll get into a little bit of the backstory on Roswell here in a minute and also some of the other potential material that's been found. But this first article comes from ufonut.com, ufonut.com. It says, research and investigation into UFO paranormal sightings, unconventional flying objects, non-human, unrecognizable technology. Now, the article is by Chuck Zawaski. Looks like it was released here June 16th, 2023. It says, more metal found at the famed Roswell debris site as recent as June 3rd, 2023 exclamation point and it's got a picture of the filler here that wrote the article i'll put uh, links up at the buy me a coffee website like i normally do and thanks to all the people that show the support over there it really helps the program it says if you think the roswell crash debris site still doesn't hold evidence that something crashed there in 1947 well you're mistaken in 2002 my sister debbie and i found a piece of metal at the debris site during a sanctioned archaeology dig for the sci-fi channel on september 20th, 2002, my sister Debbie Ziegelmeyer and I were asked to participate in an archaeological dig at the famed Mac Brazel debris site. The Sci-Fi Channel crew was also there to document the dig for their one-hour spatial, the Roswell crash, startling new evidence. In 105-degree heat, we dug, scooped, scrapped, and sifted dirt looking for anything unusual which would resemble what Mac Brazel saw back in 1947. After the film crew had finished filming the project, the University of New Mexico's archaeologist Dr. Bill Dolman agreed to let me and Debbie come back to the site the following day so we could run our own specialized dig. I knew the chances of finding anything there we were digging for the TV show was very low, because due to the years of erosion, debris could have moved to other locations. So the following day, I set up a different dig in an area where Dr. Dolman said water would settle due to erosion after all these years. And so they have a picture of the site here and of the uh, excavation site. And it just, you know, this what you would expect, I guess, in this really uh, arid area. The site Dr. Bill chose for us to dig was in an area where years of rainfall settled in the soil. My strip dig site was 1 meter by 20 meters long. I wanted to dig a shallow trench 10 centimeters deep where the debris could what could more likely be found from the 1947. I also wanted to cover as much area as I could in the amount of time we had, only one day. So they didn't leave him very long to dig on this thing. And you can see this is like a 60 foot long uh, trench he's dug, maybe, I don't know, 6, 8 inches deep. It says, as luck would have it, we found a piece of metal in our dig. Now imagine that. They're out here in the middle of nowhere, and just they just spend you know, like maybe a day or an afternoon uh, excavating this small area, and they find a piece of metal. It says, the debris piece was silver and slightly metallic in color. It was about the size of a fingernail, very thin and lightweight. It appeared to be a thin metal or mylar type metal material. It was so lightweight that Debbie had to hold on to it tight so it wouldn't blow away. I had the piece of metal 
analyzed using an electron scanning microscope and learned it was an aluminum silicon alloy. And he's got a picture of it here from the uh, microscope picture. One microscope, one micron, he says, equals one millionth of a meter. So these pictures show you a very detailed image at a very high magnification. In the graph, you can see spikes of aluminum and silicon. The other two spikes are carbon and oxygen, which is air, which is air in humans that held the debris like me and my sister. The sentence is kind of off there. The other two spikes are carbon and oxygen, which is air and humans. I think he means is which is from air and humans that held the debris like me and my sister. Notice the extremely small damage shown at high magnification. Then he goes on, he says, on June 3rd, 2003, I took my good friend, excuse me, on June 3rd, 2023, I took my good friend Frank Kimbler and a couple of other individuals out to the debris site. The last time I was at the debris site was before COVID hit, so I wanted to go back and take a look around and shoot some pics and drone shots for my upcoming Roswell lecture in July. The day before, on June 2nd, I was visiting Roswell's International Museum to meet with Frank, told him I was headed out to the debris site and was happy to learn he wanted to go too. It had been a while since I'd seen Frank, so there was much catching up to do on the way out there. He says he is an associate professor of earth sciences at the New Mexico Military Institute, worked as a professional geologist for more than 40 years and as an earth science professor for almost 20 years. He also worked as an oceanographer for NOAA. And then it says, I had met Frank a few years ago back when I was helping him identify the debris he found at his site. He located the site after our initial 2002 dig and was very interested in the piece of metal we found. When I learned he could come with us, I told him I would be doing some quick metal detecting and said he could bring his detector too. I was so happy to have someone with Frank's scientific background with me. So we have this fellow who's been out there 20 years ago in 2003, right? And found this small, strange piece of metal at the Roswell uh, reported UFO crash site. Now he's back 20 years later. He's got the pictures here. And him and this uh, adjunct prof professor, sounds like a guy who's had a pretty long, successful career and that type of stuff, is with him. And they're metal detecting this area out there where we a lot of us believe that this UFO crashed at Roswell, New Mexico. He says... Okay, here's something very interesting. We were, in, we were in a specific area of the debris field, and my camera was having battery issues. Frank asked to use my EMF, or electromagnetic frequency meter, in the location. I had battery drain. The meter showed waves of EMF spiking as he walked. Was this due to recent rains, or was this something else going on? Frank then returned to my truck to retrieve his metal detector to check the area while I assembled my DJI Phantom 4 drone for some aerial shots. While Frank was metal detecting, I tried to launch my drone, but immediately got battery errors. After multiple resets, the drone wouldn't launch. I then thought to myself, oh crap, this is the area with the EMF spikes. I then moved some distance from that area, and the drone's battery error went away. So this is like something that happens so frequently with these UFO landing sites, crash sites, whatever. And something we've also seen a lot at Skinwalker Ranch where they, they have electrical problems. A lot of times the battery juice goes out. I mean, how many times have we heard about people who've encountered these things and the cars died? Anyway, it says, meanwhile, Frank was sweeping the area with his metal detector. Uh, it's got a little picture here. It says, this little piece of metal appears to have seen a lot of trauma by the way it's twisted and folded. Really unusual for a piece of metal, which is found under seven to eight inches of dirt in the middle of the New Mexico desert. 
And this is apparently from a recent piece of metal they found here. And you can see he's holding these hands, so there's a little tiny metal fragment. And it, like he said, it does look like it's 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 uh, it's been on the receiving end of some trauma. That is for sure. He says, Frank looked at me and said, I'm keeping this one for analysis, but if I find another, it's yours. Well, as luck would have it, while I was metal detecting in another location, Frank got a second hit in the same area. And then it has some pictures here of these guys digging up this other tiny piece of metal. It looks very similar to the first piece they found. Also, it looks like it's been, you know, wrecked or bent or whatever. It says he found this and now it's mine. It's got a picture of it. Like I said, I'll put this uh, link up on the Buy Me a Copy website. This is weird. What would this stuff be doing out in the middle of the desert in New Mexico? It says this little piece of debris also looks like it's seen tough times, folded, curved, and bent. There was a tremendous amount of force that caused this. Absolutely. These things look like, to me, like maybe they've been subjected to a lot of heat and a lot of pressure. It says, can't wait to see this little guy under an electron scanning microscope. And then he says, okay, since June 3rd, I scrapped my metal detector and purchased a Fisher Goldbug Pro, very similar to Frank's detector. These metal detectors were designed to find gold nuggets and, as luck would have it, Roswell debris too. One of the attributes of being an experienced UFO investigator is being able to know your own limitations and work with people who specialize in your areas, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes on here and says, as soon as my debris piece or Frank's debris piece gets tested, we'll release our findings on this website. So far, we're both running into some hurdles with some labs closed due to COVIDs and others having a backlog. Wow. So this article was just, he published this on his website. Let's take a look here. Just It says June 16th, 2023. Now, like I said, the website is ufonut.com, ufonut.com. I will have a link at the Buy Me, Web, Buy Me a Coffee website, and I'll tweet it. This is something we're going to follow up on, because these little pieces of metal this guy's found, and his friend Frank, it's interesting. It's exactly the kind of stuff you would expect if a craft had, you know, entered the atmosphere at, high, at a high rate of speed, if there had been a crash with a lot of heat with a lot of um, impact from the collision. This is the sort of stuff you would expect to be lying around. And, and you look at this picture, okay, out here in New Mexico, there's not a house, there's not a car, there's not a road for miles. I'm just looking through the desert for miles and miles. It seems like they're in the middle of nowhere. Nothing but maybe sagebrush and cactus. Tell me, how did these little pieces of metal get strewn about out here? Where did they come from? That's what I would like to know. These are obviously, they look to me like something that's been manufactured. Okay. I would, would love to know more about this stuff because I'm looking at these pictures of this fellow out there with his metal detector. And he's just in the middle of nowhere. I don't see any kind of uh, development around. Nothing. But they go out there with this you know, high-powered metal detector and they start picking up these little pieces of metal that all look similar. They all look like they've been through some sort of crash trauma. They all look to me like they've been th through some sort of heat event. And they're out here in the middle of the desert. Well, what would those things be from? I mean, if anybody's got any ideas, they can leave a comment. But this is a fascinating article. Now, of course, this case that we've just talked about is not the only uh, incidents where there's been reported crash material retrieved from uh, Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, right from the very beginning of the story, there were reports of crash material. And this article that we're going to take a look at here from February 15th, 2021 uh, from uh, Wyon News, W-I-O-N News.com, it gets into that a little bit. 
and it seems as though the Pentagon has admitted to testing some of this stuff. It says Roswell crash, semicolon, Pentagon admits testing, quote unquote, wreckage from UFO crashes. So while they're telling you this stuff doesn't exist, while you find literally thousands of articles trying to debunk the Roswell story and everything that happened. Meanwhile, the government, it turns out, is testing material found at that site. It says the DIA reported reportedly released 154-page test results from a mysterious memory metal called nitinol, which remembers its original shape and folded. Bregalia claimed a stunning admission by the U.S. government that it possesses UFO debris was recently made in response to a Freedom of Information Act request filed over three years ago by this author, quote-unquote, Bregalia wrote in his blog, adding, in a reply letter, the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency has ended decades of speculation by verifying that UFO material has indeed been recovered. Yeah, I remember this came out. I think they may have tried to backpedal on this, but we're going to go ahead and finish it out. It says, now officially referred to as UAP rather than UFOs, some of this material was placed with a defense contractor for analysis and storage in specialized facilities, Bregalia informed in his blog post. Incredibly, part of the information released discusses material shape recovery properties, much like memory metal debris found fallen at the Roswell UFO crash in 1947, he revealed. And I remember, we've talked about this many times in the program, how the UFO stuff is often contracted outside the Defense Department. Bob Bigelow has been a big part of this, and they go on to talk about him here. You can't send a FOIA request to Bigelow Aerospace, okay? You can't even send a FOIA request to Tom DeLong and to his Academies of the Stars. These guys get these sweetheart deals from the government. Not only do they make money off the contracts, but then it prevents investigators from getting access to those documents. That's what I'm seeing. It says, based on the documentation received, it appears that the retrieved debris exhibits other extraordinary capabilities in addition to remembering their original form when bent or crushed. Some of these futuristic materials have the potential to make things invisible, compress electric, electromagnetic energy, and even slow down the speed of light, Bergalia said. Well, that makes sense because remember, Tom DeLong said that they had UFO metamaterial and that they had gotten a contract with the U.S. Army to use it to try to, to, try to camouflage tanks. Wow. According to Bergalia, the documents revealed the tests were carried out by Bigelow Aerospace, a Las Vegas company which performs private contract for the Department of Defense. Of course, we know these guys have done everything from Skinwalker Ranch to using these metamaterials. It's, it's really something. Although much of the report's details are redacted, that's great. They send you the paperwork and then they just black everything out. What can be gleaned is that these technologies represent a literal quantum leap beyond the properties of all existing material known to man, Bergalia maintained. Like I've said all along, imagine what these things could do and imagine if you could monetize these things. Throughout the received FOIA documents, mention is made of potential use of some of the materials in advanced aerospace platforms. Reference is made to desired material characteristics such as being extremely lightweight and tough like the characteristics of the debris found at the Roswell crash, Bregley wrote. In December last year, former President Donald Trump had signed the $2.3 trillion coronavirus relief bill, which he also set into motion a 180-day countdown for the authorities to renew all they know about UFOs. Wow. I guess maybe I overlooked that. Now, let's, let's look at this again. Now, this, of course, came from 2021, right? So Trump would have only been in there for, like, what, a year? 
In December last year, former President Donald Trump had signed the $2.3 trillion coronavirus relief bill, which he also set into motion a 180-day countdown for the authorities to reveal all they know about UFOs. So here he is, a president of the United States. He gets drugged into this whole COVID thing, $2.3 trillion. I'm sorry, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but follow the money. And then as president of the United States, you know, the guy that's going to go in there and whip the deep state, he has to give them 180 days to reveal what they know about UFOs. Well, guess what happened in those 180 days? COVID, COVID, COVID. Russia, Russia, Russia. And how many revelations did we get? Zero, zero, zero. The DIA and Secretary of Defense were given less than six months to provide information on unidentified aerial phenomena to Congress and committees of armed services, according to the former President Trump's move. Almost on cue, America's spy agency, CIA, allowed all UFO information to be downloaded ahead of the deadline that month. Right. The CIA allowed documents to be accessed by downloading from the Black Vault website the result that the, the data involved every instance of United of unidentified aerial phenomena which has been mapped by the US government. So in other words, the CIA, I mean, I guess they're not stupid. They get ahead of the ball game and they say, Oh, look at us, we're compliant. Here's everything you need. But how would you know? How would you know? Who's investigating what was turned over? I mean, we're just taking them for their word on it? Wow. So that not only does that show us that they are investigating this stuff, they have found recovered material there. I think they recovered it back in 1947. What did they show us? Oh, a stick, a piece of rubber, and some tinfoil. But the good stuff is probably setting back at Wright-Patterson in Ohio or some other underground base who knows where. Okay? So while they're telling you that this is all make-believe, swamp gas, planet Venus, uh, now they tell us it's a drone, whatever, they're hard at work trying to reverse engineer this stuff. Now let's look at one last article concerning this Roswell material as it kind of ties in with what this gentleman has just recently found within the last couple months, and then we'll close this up. Now, I want to look at this one last article dealing with uh, the actual uh, officer himself who found the material, Jesse Marcel. Of course, we've all seen this picture of him here holding what looks like a big, you know, sheet of tinfoil or something. Has kind of a puzzled look on his face. This article from Life Science, written December 11, 2020 by Mindy Weisberger, says Army officers' secret journal could offer new clues about the UFO crash in Roswell in 1947. A long hidden diary belonging to a U.S. intelligence officer has rekindled research into the Roswell incident, the infamous UFO crash in Roswell, New Mexico, that took place more than 70 years ago. When a mysterious object slammed into the desert near the Roswell Army Airfield in July 1947, remember, 75 miles away, Jesse, Major Jesse Marcel, an RAF intelligence officer, was sent to supervise collection of the debris. A press officer at the RAF issued a statement on July 8th describing the crash and recovery of a flying disc, which many interpreted as evidence of alien contact. No kidding. But the next day, another Army official told reporters that the RAF officers had recovered a weather balloon, not a flying saucer. Yeah, there, there you go. There's your, parallel, there's your parallel narrative. Newspaper photos showed Marcel posing with pieces of what appeared to be 
a shredded high-altitude weather balloon with a radar reflector. But in the decades since, many have speculated about the military's initial flying disc report, wondering if the wreckage was perhaps more unusual than the photos implied. Recently, Marcel's family revealed that he had kept a diary from that period that might contain clues about the crash, sparking a new investigation of the History Channel in Roswell, the first witness, part of the network's history's greatest mystery series. The government claimed they had recovered a UFO. They had a press release about it, said Ben Smith, a former CIA operative and the show's lead investigator. No other government in the world has said, we have a spacecraft. And then the next day, there's another press release that says, never mind, it was just a weather balloon, Smith told Life Science. That's correct. I tend to want to go with first best. The show revisits the Roswell crash site, incorporating aerial surveys and mapping and using multispectral image to detect micro depressions in the ground that could indicate where debris landed, Smith said. But the central component of the new inquiry is a diary which Marcel, which Marcel supposedly kept during the time of the Roswell crash and which is now in the possession of his grandchildren. Decades after the event, Marcel told an interviewer that he believed the object that crashed in the New Mexico desert had extraterrestrial origins, the time reported in 1997. Analysis of the diary and translation of its, lang of its cryptic language could reveal coded messages that Marcel wrote about the crash at the time that it happened, Smith said. This guy was scared for his life, is what I think. He's writing a diary, but he's so... He's so paranoid about it that he has to write it in code. Interest in UFOs hasn't waned since the Roswell incident. If anything, recent evidence was, has amplified it. In 2017 and 2018, U.S. Navy pilots recorded three encounters. And then it kind of goes on. It gives us the typical film material we get from this stuff. It says, it's the origin story of the UFO, the prospect of a government cover-up for alien context, Miss said. Science fiction already existed, but things that passed us through the pop culture found their origins in government secrecy surrounding this strange sequence of events in 1947. Yeah, well, the government's been covering things up for a long time. And here we have this case of Jesse Marcel in 1997 saying, no, this was not a weather balloon. This was a spacecraft. He's telling us the truth, I think. He finally, after, you know, 40 years, was able to come forward at least and say no the story they gave you was not correct what I said in the beginning was correct and the metal that he describes is memory metal that we've all heard about from witnesses at the crash looks a lot more like this stuff that this fellow has been digging up out there in just the past few months so what I'm seeing is a pattern a pattern of, of the, this metal fitting a certain description and then a pattern of us being lied to about what it is. Now, they've had some of this stuff tested. Doesn't look like weather balloon material to me. It's just aluminum with mostly aluminum with a little bit of zinc. This aluminum, this aluminum uh, type of UFO metamaterial is seems to be a very common thing that is associated uh, with UFO encounters and UFO crashes. And like I said, it's uh, so uh, puzzling to me why you would have these bits of metal, aluminum metal, scattered about in this particular area at the crash site where they would suspect it to be because of erosion. Why is that stuff right there in the middle of the desert when there's no uh, human activity really going on out there? Who would have had this in their pocket? Where would this stuff come from? It looks like tiny bits of crash material is what it looks like. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.